This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Nunez. And today we got a little bit of a different episode. I think that we might start doing this on the first Friday of every month. But I wanted to get fans' opinions on a couple different basic and controversial Kings questions. So I spoke to about 15 different people. You will hear all of their names listed, and then we will go through each of the questions and you'll hear all of their answers before moving on to the next question. It's interesting to hear what the fan base is thinking and how it varies in certain ways, how they think the same in others. We look to keep doing this in the future, and thank you to everybody that took the time to talk with us a bit for this episode. But if you're interested in getting involved with this later on, be sure to follow the podcast at Kings underscore Pulse on Twitter and you can communicate with us there. We give everybody an opportunity to say their names if they would like and also any social media handles. So this is Vincent Cameron Park and also find me at VinnyBoy92. So my name is Philip and my Twitter handle is at the underscore angry serve. So my name is Leo Tochterman. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Leo underscore T-O-C-H. My name is Adam Reinerson. Twitter handle is at Adam Rhino, A-D-A-M-R-H-I-N-O 23. My name is Jordan Chirot. Twitter handle is uh, jmoney171. My name is Melhar. Uh, my Reddit username is the real MVP. My name is Jordan. My name is Rex, and my Twitter handle is at SackKingsBot. I am Jillian Edge, and you can find me on Twitter under at Jill Edge. Today. Turk, Turk LaRue 22 on Reddit. My name is Jim Tower, and my social media handle is uh, JTMedia3 on Twitter. This is Ryan Ritter, and my Twitter handle is at TheRealRitter, R-I-T-T-E-R. Hey, I'm Jordan Meda. Follow me on Twitter at uh, BabyBoyJord. That's BabyBoy, J-O-R-D. My name is Tim Maxwell. I'm known as the Sacktown Baby Draft, and you can find me at, at TimMaxwell22 on Twitter. The very first question asked was, how did you become a Kings fan? Just since I was since I was in grade school, I mean, the Kings were on TV all the time. My parents were into the Kings very, very much into the early 2000s, and you know, it just all took off from there. I'm Serbian. My parents came from, from Yugoslavia in the 90s when the war started. And, you know, when I was, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my 20s. And so when I started watching basketball, that's right at the prime of the Kings. And I found out about Peja and Vlade and that kind of sealed the deal for me that, that got me to watch the Kings. And then from there, I just kind of fell in love with them and, and stuck with them ever since. 
So I've uh, I've been a Kings fan. I'm uh, from Sacramento, and I've just I've just grown with the team. Uh, I remember the first series I watched was that the last series that the Kings were in the playoffs uh, against the Spurs, and I've just followed the team ever since. Born and raised in Northern California, always supported Sacramento Kings for as long as I can remember. Basically, I grew up in Illinois. When I moved out to L.A. when I was about 13, I didn't really get into basketball until I was about 19, 20 years old. And I was a, I grew up a Bulls fan when I was young. And then I was trying to decide what team, what LA team I wanted to root for. And right away I knew I didn't like the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq and the Clippers stunk and the Warriors weren't very good. And the one team that was really, really, really good was the Sacramento Kings. And I kind of grew a liking to their style of play. And then it came to me that them and the Lakers really hated each other. So I was kind of like, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm going to start following this team. You know, I grew up in Folsom, so, you know, been a Kings fan for the last, like, 20 years or so. It was hard to not be a Kings fan when, you know, growing up watching basketball around that area, so. I guess Chris Webber, a big Webber fan. Uh, I grew up a Jordan fan. Jordan retired, obviously. So then I, I kind of just didn't really uh, cheer for a team after Jordan retired. I kind of jumped on the Webber bandwagon and followed him to Sacramento. I knew Mitch Richmond was dope growing up. You know, White Chocolate came in, and they just started blowing up, and I just jumped on them since then. I became a Kings fan in 2001. I was in first grade, and it was just when the Kings were getting fun again. I started falling in love with basketball, and our teacher would bring in all-star ballots for us to vote on during class for Kings players. Born and raised in Sacramento. My parents had season tickets before all of us kids were born. And then as we were growing up, we had joined with other families and had season tickets that way and had like a group of four different families. Once I was old enough, my dad and I went in, and so we have season tickets for ourselves. And so it's kind of been a thing growing up where it's always kind of been my dad and I going to games or my mom, things like that. So, yeah, just, I guess, being born into a Kings family. Well, technically, I'm not a Kings fan. I'm a, a Timberwolves fan growing up, and now I just kind of, you know, I live in Sacramento, so follow the Kings, kind of like a, a loyalist. Born a Kings fan. So I grew up in Sacramento, and I just remember growing up, I went to St. Francis Elementary in uh, Midtown, which I had to wear a uniform. And I just remember my whole career there at St. Francis being able to wear Kings gear on game days in lieu of a uniform and how amazing that was and how everyone would rock Kings gear. And back in the heydays, every single building downtown all over the city just would have like a projection of, of the Kings logo or uh, everyone had flags on their cars and just, just growing up the heyday of the Kings and just the energy that the city would produce from how incredible the Kings were doing. So, Oh, just always been, always been a fan. I wasn't into sports for a long time as a kid. And then right around that magic year of 2002, um, a lot of my friend groups were really into the Kings. So I started kind of watching just to, you know, kind of keep up with the Joneses a little bit. And I ended up falling in love. In a few short months, I went from not knowing anything about the Kings to um, crying myself to sleep after the Lakers uh, beat them in that uh, game seven. And it's been, a, it's been a long road ever since. Well, I live in Sacramento. I was raised here. I remember being a kid and my dad buying a new TV to watch the 2002 playoff at our house with, with all of his friends. And so I was always around it and I'm Sacramento raised. So I think like a lot of Kings fans, it, it began with childhood. Uh, I grew up in the Sacramento area, although I don't live there anymore. 
and uh, I was born in 1990. So as the team was was becoming good in the you know 98, 99, 2000, 2001, that was when I was being introduced to basketball at the elementary and, and really junior high level. So for me, it was all about being a part of the city. The city was behind the Kings uh, so so much at that point that everyone was a Kings fan. And my family actually left the Sacramento area uh, when I was just going into high school. And I decided to keep, keep my fans kingdom instead of going, going over to the sun. So my brother and I both stay Kings fans and we're really the only Kings fans we know on a personal level. Um, so we've just kept that fan going through the years and stayed faithful, even though we're not in that area anymore. I, I still try to get there once or twice a year, but it's really about childhood and, and who you grew up rooting for and, and sticking with that team through, through the second thin. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Question number two was from the last season, who was your favorite Sacramento Kings player? De'Aaron Fox. He's been my player for a while now. I actually was really big on him coming out of college. Uh, so you'd think it would be Bogdan, um, but it's, it's actually not. I'm going to go ahead and say De'Aaron. Um, just because seeing his growth and development, uh, I mean, on the court, like from a basketball perspective, like he obviously grew leaps and bounds, but you could also see, ironically enough, you could see the intangibles kind of starting to form as a leader. Um, and I think that he's definitely kind of, you know, that, that, that franchise point guard uh, and that guy that, that's going to be the, the leader of this team for years to come. I'd probably say Harry Giles. Just I really enjoyed his attitude and how he embraced the fans and just, the way he played unselfishly, just really enjoyed him. Probably De'Aaron Fox. Um, you know, I love the the progress that, that Bagley is going to make too, and he has potential to be a superstar, but De'Aaron, in my opinion, had the best season. The job that De'Aaron Fox had was pretty amazing. Um, I had my concerns last year with how he was going to turn out, but his second year just blew me away. I think style of play that they did really, really um, was perfect for him. I think I enjoyed his leap I didn't think he was going to be this good as a shooter, improved in his second year, and as far as shooting threes as well. So I think De'Aaron is by far the most fun player I got to enjoy this year. Last season had to be De'Aaron Fox. Just the growth that I saw from him was just incredible. Uh, Last season, Harry Giles. From last season, my favorite Kings player, I think it had to be De'Aaron Fox. I love Harry Giles. I mean, obviously, you'll have your standard like Fox and everybody else, but honestly, the energy and everything that that kid's gone through and how excited he is just to be out there and play. And you can see it, you know, every minute he's out there that he's giving 110% and just taking everything that's that's been given to him. So it's it's cool to see him out there. And I can't wait to see him now that he's going to actually have a full off season just to finally be and work on his stuff. Probably uh, Fox, you know, Buddy, Bagley, the regulars. I liked Yogi a lot, too. I liked him coming in there. My favorite Kings player this season is, is Buddy Hield, And the reason being is, i got to be totally honest, I was 
super frustrated with Buddy last season. And the reason being is because it seemed like he felt like he was a playmaker. There were so many times last year where he, you know, he, after about four dribbles, he would dribble it off his foot or he'd lose the ball, he'd lose the handle. It was really difficult because it seemed like he didn't know what his role was and he was trying, trying to do too much. And it seemed like in the last off season, he really honed in on the things that made him super valuable and made buddy buddy. And just to see how incredible of a role change that I don't know if it was a buddy thing, a training thing or a product of coaching, but buddy really stepped into his role this year and it was absolutely incredible to see. And I mean, how amazing was that, that game winning shot? was jumping over the the cable at the end straight to the locker room i mean that that's the buddy i always wanted and so it was amazing to see him um, come into form probably marvin bagley which i think if you asked me a year ago if uh, marvin bagley was going to end up being my favorite king i probably would have said there's not a chance so he's been a very pleasant surprise probably marvin bagley i mean i really love harry giles I love him so much. You know, obviously he had room to grow. Not like he was god awful this season, but he still we didn't see his full potential. But it's got to be between Harry Giles and last season specifically Harry Giles and De'Aaron Fox. Uh, my favorite Kings player last year, I, I would say Marvin Bagley. Um, I really enjoyed the play of De'Aaron Fox. I've always been a huge Buddy Heald fan, uh, but I, I was a big Marvin Bagley questioner if he, if he was you know i thought he had high bus potential and for him to come out and, and really kill it from almost the starting point um uh, make himself such a valuable player he was so good and he was so important to our bench rotation and probably really should have even been starting halfway through the year he was so uh just so fun to watch so exciting throwing down those dunks uh he was so so pure offensively his shot blocking was unexpected and just watching him progress throughout the season and even learn moment to moment in games was, was just a really fun thing to see Next question was also from last season. If you had one, who was your least favorite Kings player? Willie. <laughs> kind of the generic answer, but, you know, I don't have that much ill will against Willie, but there were times he kind of frustrated me. I feel like the easy answer here is going to be uh, Willie. Um, it was pretty disappointing from, you know, the aspect of it's a contract season. You know, obviously he's talked about wanting his big payday, and that's fine. Totally understandable. You know, you got to secure the bag. Um, but then you also kind of expect the, the, the play on the court to kind of match that desire. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, he was as inconsistent as he's always been. I, I think there's a, uh, two game stretch, uh, where in one night he had like 20 rebounds or something and like some, some huge number. And then next night he had zero. And like, if that, if like, that is the, the perfect microcosm of, of the trouble with Willie, like the up and down is just so volatile. So I think that's kind of where I'm at on that one. Well, it's, it's going to be a popular answer, but it was definitely Willie Cauley-Stein. Just poor shot selection. I don't know, his laziness on the defensive end of the floor, that really just kind of irked me. And uh, he was obviously playing over Bagley and Giles a lot of the times. Boy, that's a great question. Um, probably the backup point guard play just in general was was not great. Yogi had some moments, and, and Frank Mason had some moments. But just the overall, when Fox was on the bench, they really struggled at that position. Oh, that's easy. It's Willie, by far. And it's just basic fundamentals with him. In college, he was known for his defense and shot-blocking ability. And he is by far the most frustrating player I've ever watched watching basketball. He has tremendous potential, tremendous potential. But the energy level and the effort level is just not there some nights. 
Willie seems like a really, really good person, and a good guy, but somebody that's seven feet tall and can jump as high as he can that doesn't even contest shots, it's really frustrating to watch. Uh, this is going to be a very common answer, I suspect, but it's got to be Willie. I wouldn't say anybody. This was one of the most likable teams for me. Uh, Willie Colley-Stein. I wouldn't say there's anyone really unlikable. I can say probably who I got most frustrated with and probably like everybody else would just be Willie. But I wouldn't say like he's my least least favorite. I have anything against the guy. I would probably just be the most frustrating. I'm sure that'll be a common opinion. Willie Colley-Stein was not my favorite player to watch frustrating. Justin Jackson, when he was a part of the team, was not fun. And, you know, Harrison Barnes, when he got there, I was not a fan of. I kind of thought he was too much of a corporate company kind of guy. I didn't really like what he was about. So the first name that automatically comes to mind is Justin Jackson, but I'm not sure if that's the right answer because we got rid of him, right? But Justin Jackson was incredibly frustrating for me to watch. And then I think that the other answer that is still an issue we need to address is obviously uh, Willie Colley. It's just really difficult because we can see how good he is. So it makes the times when he's not good so much more frustrating. So I think I think most people would agree with me on, on both those. I will go with probably Willie Colley-Stein. Sorry, Willie, for reasons that we make it into later. Oh, that's so mean. I can't do that to them. Let's see. It's probably somebody that's not with, with us anymore. I don't even want to say Ben McElmore, but probably Ben McElmore. <laughs> I think a lot of people will probably expect me to say Willie Colley-Stein because he was certainly frustrating. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with Alec Burks. He, we brought him in as as a bench scorer. We, we traded away Elon Schumpert to to gain his skills. And he was really quite ineffective in his time here. Um, I think he played about 120 total minutes, never really cracked the rotation, never hit a three, rarely shot the ball. He seemed almost disengaged while on the court. Defensively, he was engaged, but offensively, he just kind of disappeared. And and for a career uh, bench score, he's always been known as a guy who'll come in and, and give you some instant offense. He was just kind of quiet and invisible, and that, that was a big disappointment for me. What does your ideal offseason look like for the Kings? Do you have any sort of free agents that you prefer? My top two, and these are the two players I think the Kings should overpay for, are Brooke Lopez and Patrick Beverly. I'd be willing to pay them 17.5 mil each. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but I think those two players in particular fill a lot of needs on the Kings roster right now and could make a huge impact to the core. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, out of the agents that I want, I'm going to go with Nikola Vucevic. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, obviously the background, it's a, it seems like an easy call, but uh, I, for me, it's like the fit with Bagley makes the most sense out of all the centers. Um, I really don't want DeAndre Jordan. Um, I know that's a name that's been floated around and I kind of expect that that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, I think Vucevic, the, his ability to stretch the floor as a five is huge. Um, his rebounding on the defensive end of the floor and offensive end of the floor is really going to be helpful. Um, and I think that, you know, because of his ability to play inside to outside really well, um, it's going to help Bagley develop even more without, like, taking away the touches uh, in the low post like Chantra Jordan would. Um, I think that those, those are the two, like, wants and don't wants. So I like the, the wings, the big wing guys that are probably out of the Kings' um... They, they're unlikely to sign with the Kings, obviously, like Butler, Middleton, Tobias. Um, but other than that, I just like them to be kind of conservative with their money. Uh, just try to avoid making the, giving the poison pill out, 
given a, a Mozgov type contract out. Um, I would just like to see them if they if they can't get one of those bigger guys, which I think they should go for, even if it's unlikely. I'd like to see them. I really like the guy the idea of uh, Lopez next to Bagley as a front court. I really think that would be a good fit. I think that if if Butler um, is out there and is willing to take a meeting with the Kings, then you you do that. Other uh, like wing guys that I like are. You know, Danny Green, you guys mentioned him. Ariza, I think, would fit well. Overall, I think just adding another wing, shooting. I think we need to shore up that backup point guard uh, with someone who can really lead the team and be a bulldog. You know, Pat Beverly is a guy that fits the mold. Um, you know, you know, I'm not sure what his thoughts are in becoming, you know, in a backup role, but I think that he'd just be perfect on this team. Yeah, I think we've been talking this, about this a lot on the subreddit. Like, we desperately need a starting caliber center preferably one that can space the floor and be a decent rim protector. And in that case, you know, pipe dream would be Brooke Lopez, but whether he'd want to leave Milwaukee and come to Sacramento is a a huge deciding factor. Uh, And then, you know, a guy like Thaddeus Young would also be really cool because he can provide that floor spacing and interior defense while being in the four spot, which would allow Bagley to kind of grow into the center role. Yeah, there's a couple. um, I'm a big fan of uh, Miritich with the Bucks. I like Bogdanovich in Indiana. I'm a fan of Deadman and uh, Holmes in Phoenix. I mean, apart from all the names that people are throwing around online, I'd like, I'd love to go after Beverly. I don't think it's possible. And then Holmes from the Suns, I think would be a good pickup. And I don't think we're talking about Julius Randle enough. I always think he'd be a fun addition to our team with the pace and rebounding and energy that he brings. I really don't think that any of the names we've heard are necessarily game changers. So I don't really want to go throwing maxes at necessarily the people or, you know, like Lucevic and names that I've heard so far that are not, you know, obviously someone like Kevin Durant or Leonard, like obviously anybody like that, you would be more than happy if they're throwing maxes at those kind of guys. But the names we're hearing aren't those kind of players. So just because of how young we are and we're going to be needing to give out contracts in the next couple of years, I, I think we should keep our cap flexible still because I still think there are with how young our guys are that there's still plenty of holes that can be addressed and spread out amongst the money similar to kind of what Milwaukee's done is I love what they did how the last couple of years you know they were growing their guys they found their star but they didn't cap lock themselves that they went and found really good role players around their star and they were able to do that based on having draft picks and having cap flexibility. I think they need to address the big men that whether it's center or, you know, stretch four, small forward and backup point guard. So I still think there are plenty of issues that need to be addressed rather than spending it all on one person. So that and just keep getting more shooters because the more shooters we have, the easier it will be for Fox to get to the lane. Well, I think the key right now, obviously with that team is you got to get a center. You got to get a five who, mixes well with the young guys and can push them over the edge. Probably someone similar to Vlade when he came back in the day who can kind of like bind everybody together, just be that binding piece and, and push them maybe not over the edge, but, you know, take them to the next level and kind of bring some cohesiveness to the locker room. I don't know who that is. I'll trust them to make the right decision, but it is a pretty pivotal offseason season for them. This is it. This is like the crossroads right now, and they have to nail it. My first order of business is signing a rent protecting spacing big. And, and the people that, that stand out to me is that the, the, 
first choice for me would be Brooke Lopez. I, of course, also like Deadman. And then I'm also a, re, would be really happy with a little bit slightly older. Brooke Lopez is only is 31 and Deadman's 29, but just slightly older vets like Horford. Um, you know, after the the Celtics kind of fell apart in this last series, I could see Horford being moved. Um, and there are uh, talks about AD possibly going to the Celtics. Uh, I think Horford would be an amazing addition to our team. And in addition to that, uh, Marcus Gasol. Uh, I know Marcus Gasol's a little bit older. He's 34. Um, but I feel like he would fit perfectly. I think Rich at one point made a um, great comment saying that Gasol could play the four on offense and switch to five on, on defense, which I think that versatility would be amazing for us. And the thing I also love about Marcus Hall is that he just accepted a smaller role with the wraps and just that humility in and of itself, considering how much of an amazing player Gasol is, is kind of the attitude that the Kings are trying to, to look for with, um, with players, uh, especially players that can get on board with what we're trying to do. So that's my first thing I think we need to take care of is, is the rim protecting spacing big. I, I don't, I don't really like some of the other options like Holmes, just because I think that it's really important. Whatever big man we get can sh- shoot the three. And then my next order of business would be obviously a pack, a backup playmaking point guard. Uh, everybody's talking about Pat Bev. That's obviously probably the best option, right? Uh, getting Pat Beverly. And I also have my eye on people like, D. Rose. I think also Terry Rozier would be a great addition to our team. I think that if he's given a little bit of a bigger role, uh, we saw what he could do last season, this season. It, you know, I think since they had so much depth, um, he didn't have as much opportunity to shine. But I really do like Terry Rozier. And I think for if we're looking to get a cheaper option for a backup uh, point guard, I, I also like TJ McConnell. He can, he can play make, he can get any shot on the on the floor and uh, he, he can also sh- shoot the three, which uh, so those are the guys I'm looking for as far as a backup point guard. Um, and to be honest, at the end of the day, I'm not really a fan of any situation in which we keep Willie Colley Stein. Uh, reason being is even if we get, offer him less money and, and, and u- utilize him as a backup, I just think that'll totally destroy his motivation. Um, we saw how, how worse he got when we when Jaeger started cutting his minutes this season, and then other than that, just trying to address Walton issues, hoping we can come to some sort of conclusion with that to some degree, where you know whether we we were roll with him and or not, and and then just player development in general. I think our core is more or less set with Fox healed. Barnes is probably going to re up. Bagley, and then probably Bogey coming off the bench. So that leaves you with a hole uh, at the, either the four or the five, depending on where you want to put Bagley in, assuming he's going to be in the starting lineup going forward. I would say if you're going to throw a match at somebody, it should be for a position of need. Um, and barring some sort of miracle, like let's say Kevin Durant's people call up and want to have a sit-down meeting with Vladi, of course you do it, figure it out later. But it's hard to decide if there's a free agent I'd, I'd like to go for. Uh, fit can be so hard to predict sometimes. There's been a lot of signings in the past that didn't look like they were going to work and they ended up working pretty well, such as you know, Rudy Gay. And there's some other pickups that uh, look like they would be sure things and they end up kind of busting, like Marco Bellinelli. I've noticed that there's some, there's some smoke around uh, Nikola Vucevic and DeAndre Jordan. 
I think of those two, and it kind of seems like the team is looking at them pretty closely. I probably prefer Vucevic. I don't know if he's going to give us the rim protection we'd like to like to have at that spot. But um, I think of the two of them, I'd rather they cross their position of need. So I think if they spend their money wisely and not try to go all in on a name or fall in love with someone immediately and not vet them properly or consider fit, um, I think the offseason should be okay. I'm on team Dwayne Deadman. I, I think he would be kind of an ideal ideal big for us to pick up in free agency. Somebody that's not too much older, but is a big that can spread the floor. I think that would be kind of perfect for, you know, what we're looking to do next season. And then also maybe a backup guard or even a backup point guard. I would love to see Patrick Beverly on the team. Somebody with a lot of fight in them and a lot of, you know, a high energy guy, high motor guy that can push us when we need to be pushed. There's really two two crews out there, if you will, people with beliefs with the Kings. Um, either they should they should go for a home run or build around some some quality veterans. I, I lean towards building quality veterans, so guys like uh, Brooke Lopez or Dwayne Dedman, Patrick Beverly, uh, Corey Brewer. So getting some of those guys in here, I would love to sign a star. I would love to get a uh, Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler or Clay Thompson. I don't think those are particularly realistic. So I think building around our young core with veterans who are fairly short-term, fairly inexpensive, that can help our guys perform at a higher level is something I prefer more than going after players who will take away possibly from the growth opportunities by taking away their touches and their possessions. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What are your hopes and expectations for next year, the 2019-2020 NBA season? My hope for 2019 is, you know, the playoffs and growth, but my expectations, I think they miss out personally. I don't see anybody in the Western Conference taking a dip next year. I think the Kings could get to 44-45. I'd maybe put my goal at that, and that's maybe a realistic expectation, but it's just kind of hard to see teams falling out of the West. I I think that Vlade's kind of made that decision for all of us that our hopes and expectations should be the playoffs. Um, the speed with which he hired Walton, like I, so I understand the logic of it and I'm, I'm totally okay with that. The sense of like, if he genuinely believes Luke Walton is that guy, um, you know, that, that will take us to the next level. Like there's no reason to, to wait for the, you know, Messina. There's no reason to wait for Monty Williams to be done and be able to interview and stuff like that. You know, just go and get your guy. But you're also sending a message saying, like, this is it. Like, you're putting so much faith in him. The fans should be putting the faith into him. And, you know, it's going to be tough being the new coach of a new team um, and, and kind of developing all that. You know, obviously, don't want to get into all the other stuff going on that with, with him. But from the basketball perspective, you know, it, it, the expectations are going to be high. But you also have to slightly temper them when you have a new head coach for that team. It looks like the West is going to be even tougher than it was this year. But, you know, I just like to see improvement from every single player on the team, as, as simple as that is. I, I'd like to see Fox take the, the next jump. 
uh, scale his usage up a little bit. Uh, I'd like to see Marvin play more. I'd like to see him maybe get to that 18 and 10 uh, range. I'd like to see Giles add a three to his game. Just would just overall growth for the from the the team, and then just the guys, the veterans, just to be a calming presence. As a win total, I would just say nothing concrete. Um, it would be nice to get over 500. Obviously, making the playoffs would be icing on the cake. But I think as a win total, it would be 500. Well, my my hopes are that we continue to grow and and develop the the young nucleus that we have. Uh, playoffs are definitely definitely in my sights you know i don't think we're gonna go out and be the number one seed realistically um there's just so much talent top to bottom in the west but continue to build you know all those single digit point losses last year um you know flip flip three quarters of those around and you're nearly a 50 win team which i think is a realistic goal i just want 500 uh like the kings were so close to getting 500 this past season i was personally as a fan really disappointed that they didn't get to 40 it was right there for him. I know it doesn't mean much, but I think his fans making that 40 mark was a big deal. But my expectation to next year, it, it's, it's just really tough because the West is so tough. It's probably going to get even tougher with the free agents. I would say next year, the goal would probably be at least 42 to 44 wins. And I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Unfortunately, the West is just too tough. I think, you know, expectations wise, I think we'll contend for the eighth seed. But, you know, seeing how well like the teams like the Spurs and the Clippers finished as well as the guys are going to get back and the Clippers, you know, getting big name free agents. I don't know if it's going to happen. Obviously I hope that we can eclipse that 50 win mark and, you know, lock down a playoff spot and they actually make some noise, but it's a different thing versus actually getting there. Oh, definitely playoffs. Like this year was just to make the playoffs. You know, that would have been great. If we got swept, I would have been happy, but next year I want to make the playoffs and actually, you know, compete for the second round. I don't see the second round, but, you know, to be competitive would be where I'd want to see this team next year. Hopes and expectations are playoffs first round. It can be eight seed. It can be anything, but it's playoffs, and I'm not selling them short. We had low expectations last year, so I'm starting the bar far higher this year. Next year, I just want to see the young guys keep improving. It's going to be hard just because the West is still stacked, and I really don't – anybody that finished above us really falling off based on their calorie cap situation, how their team were made up, and there's really nobody on there with like any kind of negative issues going on. So I think the biggest thing is just keep focusing on us and keep having the young guys improve. That's really all we can ask for at this point because their biggest thing is they're not a surprise anymore. We saw that a lot during the second half of the season is these other teams were making adjustments against us and we weren't doing that back. So I think just working on the half-court offense and defense and just these guys keep learning how to adjust on the fly and just keep improving their game. That's that's all I can really hope for at this point. Second round of the playoffs. Have to be there. You have to be in the second round at least. I got one word and it's playoffs. We got to make the playoffs. I think with this drastic coaching change that has had mixed reviews, personally, de- depending on how things shake out with Walton, that aside, I'm, I am excited about the decision. And I think depending on some free agency moves, I think that the expectation, not just as Kings fans, but league-wide is playoffs. So it's almost playoffs or bust. And I just want to get rid of that drought as soon as we can. Is it too unrealistic to expect the playoffs? I think the playoffs should be the goal, right? I don't necessarily know if 
any of the 18 that are in this year are due to fall and provide a slot for us to take. But if you're going to fire your coach after the most successful season in a million years and replace them with someone that is now surrounded by some, let's just say, controversy, I think I think the playoffs have to be achieved. I think that's the only reason to justify kind of taking that risk. But beyond that, I would expect, I'd hope to see Bagley in the starting lineup. I think that was one of the more mystifying rotation questions from last season. I suspect he'll fit in nicely in Walton's system. So I'd like to see a little bit of, of a leap from him just by virtue of having more minutes. And I'd like to see Giles take a leap. I think that'll put us in a really good position going forward. It was kind of an uh, up and down season for him. You saw the heart, you saw the potential, you saw the personality. Now I'd like to see all that convert into points and not on court production. I think if you have all those things, the future could be very bright. Playoffs is the first thing on my list. I, I think my biggest thing is just looking like a team that knows what they're doing. Last season, we had so many great moments, but it did seem like it could disappear at any moment. I mean, they looked like they knew what they were doing, but it, it did feel like it like it could leave at any moment. So, yeah, making the playoffs and just looking like a cohesive team that knows who they are and brings the same consistent game night in and night out. Long term, do you view Marvin Bagley as a four or a five? I think he's a five long term. I think just the way he plays, like when I see him down low in the paint and sometimes when people start driving into the lane, he's able just to get up so high above the rim that I think you could develop him into an maybe not an elite shot blocker, but a decent shot blocker. And and I think at the five, if Marvin were to play to five, the fact that he shoots threes is really, really good. And, and I think that opens up a whole nother realm of free agents we could get like i would love if marvin's if luke sees marvin at the five long term i would love to see the kings also go after marcus morris Sabonis from indiana it allows them to be more flexible and maybe get some more three and d players to switch around that's that's the 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 big question with him isn't it i I, it's tough and i think that you know with my free agent pick i'm gonna play him at the four you know i i think that um, he can really play both, um, but if I'm if I'm going to get Vucevic, I think that I, I'm, I'm going to obviously keep Bagley at the four, and, and that'll be your starting uh, um, big man. That's tough. I think I think a lot of it is semantics. Um, like if if you play Bagley and Giles together, it's kind of it's they're kind of both just four and a halves. So I don't really know who would be classified as the five, but I'd lean towards five, just just because of his his skill set as of now. But I think he can add a lot of refined ball handling stuff and like po- like he already has good post game. But I think he can add a lot of the the power forward skills as he gets more comfortable. So as of now, I'd say he's a five. But going forward, I don't think it I don't think it necessarily matters. Just as long as the other big man can can space the floor and fits well with him. Depending on the opposition, I think he can start it either. I'd prefer to see him in the in the four. But depending on matchups against some smaller ball lineups, I could definitely see him being successful in the five as well. The playoffs that I've been watching with P.J. Tucker playing the center position, and and it's just insane. Like, I see Bagley 
as a five. I think the Kings are probably going to play him as the four to start the games, but I think he'll be playing his majority of minutes at the five. I just think the way the NBA is now is you can play guys that are six, eight, six, nine at the center position. I do think he will struggle going against the bigger centers, the Gobert, Stephen Adams. But I think ultimately it's going to be an advance for Bagley too. Like when he plays those guys, because he'll be able to take them off the dribble. But to answer your question, I, I do see him as a five for the Kings going forward. I, I kind of hop in the, the role, same role as you guys. I think he can, I think he can definitely be a five. I think he just needs to be able to put on some weight so you can contend with the bigger fives in the league. If, as long as he keeps developing that jump shot, he can be he can play the four or he can play the five. Both. Just, I guess, depends who's, you know, what the lineup is. They go small. I can see him at the five. I can see him at the four. Doesn't really matter to me, honestly, as long as he's on the court. I just feel like he's just needs to be on the court. I think he's a future four. Especially with someone like with our future with Harry holding down the fort in the middle. I think we can stretch Harry around, get him with guys who can't keep up with his quick feet on the wing and his length and help defensively too. So I, I think he's a future four. To me, it almost seems more that that's going to be how Harry develops as well. Because I think that is your starting four or five going forward. So I think depending on how their bodies develop, that's going to tell us a lot on where each one's going to fit. So I can't really say for certain <laughs> yet. But as long as it's the two of them out there, I really don't care if it's four or five. Four. Modern day four, he can shoot, bring it up a little bit, go coast to coast, get in the post, mix it up, rebounding, just very athletic. I see him as a four. I think that's completely dependent on who we sign in free agency. If we sign a stretch four like Toby Harris or Meritage, he's got to be the five, right? And if we sign a rim-projecting big man that can shoot, like like Brolo or Deadman or like um, Horford and Gasol, like I was talking about before, then I think he would mostly be um, sticking with the four. But I think that's totally dependent on what we do in free agency and depending on matchups too. But I think he can do the five pretty well. I imagine him probably as a five with like a stretch four, probably playing alongside him. Uh, I think if that outside shot turns out to be legit and reliable, and you can kind of see it in glimpses from time to time, I think he might be able to fit that four. But I think with the system they're going to play and the, the style and his method of production, I think your best bet is probably putting him at the five and putting a stretch four alongside him. I think probably a four. The numbers show him better at five, right? Technically. I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, I, I see him more at four. I see Marvin Bagley as a modern five. So we, we've seen in the playoffs, we've seen Clint Capella be ineffective. We've seen Rudy Gobert become ineffective. Um, we've seen several centers, traditional centers, become almost unplayable in this game of guards and wings. And so for me, you look at a, at um, the Rockets who are often playing a wing at the five or the, the Warriors who are playing Draymond Green at the five oftentimes. And so I think Marvin Bagley, while 10 years ago he may have been a power forward because he isn't the biggest, strongest, bulkiest guy, moving where the NBA is moving towards shooting and ball movement and ball handling and versatility, to me you're going to see a lot of guards and wings and then a lot of, like we see in the class right now, maybe one big man. I think Marvin Bagley is going to be that guy for us. So small ball center, um, which I think the league is moving towards, is where I see him in the next three to five years. Who do you think will be the better player, De'Aaron Fox or Marvin Bagley? <sighs> I don't know, because De'Aaron is our leader of the team, and that you'd think he'd be our best player, but Marvin 
I think from this year for all the raw talent that he has, I mean, I could see him being, how should I put this? Kind of like our Shaq and De'Aaron's or Kobe. The Shaq just down low was dominant and couldn't be stopped whatsoever. Ah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I think just given where the league is, like this is, a, you know, the garden wing league, like obviously you, you have some great players, you know, in the playoffs right now. I mean, Jokic is playing out of his mind um, and beat, of course, is, you know, a great kind of true center. But at the end of the day, like, I think that the guards have, have the better shot at becoming like the guy. Uh, and I think that, you know, Fox, if he is able to develop a really consistent three point shot, which I, which I still think he can, I think he can develop that confidence and, and shoot it pretty well from there. Like, I think the sky's the limit for him, especially with that, that speed that you can't teach. Like, that's, that's definitely going to be huge for him uh, as he continues to, to grow as a, a point guard. I'm going to go with Fox just because he's going to have the ball in his hands. And I think, I think if Fox adds a shot, I, don't, I, like, I don't know how you guard, like, if he adds a more consistent and higher usage uh, shot. I don't know how the opposing team like can like guard him. So I'd say, I'd say Fox, but I mean, Bagley, I think they both are future all-stars in my, in my opinion. That's their ceiling. Probably Fox only because guards can have a little bit of a higher ceiling with things, you know, play on the ball, off the ball, bigs, you know, after a while get beat up on so much at the low block and in rebounding. Um, As long as Fox stays healthy, and his athleticism and quickness um, can just – there's no ceiling on that guy. I think Marvin Bagley is going to be the best player in the second. The Kingston, this is why. I just think he's a guy that is going to possibly get to the line at least six to eight times a game. I mean, the guy is a foul-drawing machine around the basket. He's so good. He has such good touch. I love De'Aaron. I think De'Aaron's going to be great for this team, the leader of the team, but I think Marvin Bagley will be the best score and player on this team going forward? That's a good question. Uh, I think it'll be Bagley because he'll be like the number one option. He's so versatile offensively and defensively. That's not, not a knock on Fox at all. I think Fox will still be great, but I think Bagley has a chance to be truly, truly special. Ooh, long term, I can envision Bagley being better. Not to take away from Fox, man. Fox, I'm a big fan of. But I just see Bagley maybe turning into like a KD kind of thing. Possibly. I think Marvin Bagley will be a better player, but I think De'Aaron Fox will be more important to what we do because of how guard-driven the league is now. And well, it's almost hard just because of how stacked the point guard position is in the NBA compared to the big man, where there's really nobody else out there like Marvin Bagley, that once he really gets consistent with that outside shot, like, I just, I mean, I don't know how you stop the guy. But the same way with Fox. Now that he's getting better with his outside shot, he's so fast, he really can get anywhere he wants. But just based on what he did in his first season, I can see why people say Bagley. I mean, he he went in there and he just looked like he'd been doing it his whole life. He was super comfortable. So I guess for that reason, I could go, I'd go him. Depends on your definition of better. I think Bagley's game is more probably conducive to national success and praise. He can score the ball plenty of different ways. He can grab a lot of different statistics, play inside out, in the mid-range area, three-point area, inside on the post-ups, pass it, rebound, like I said, go coast to coast. Just a lot of skill there. Fill up the stat sheet. More of a blanket kind of player for success. But Fox, I think if you watch the Kings, he's going to be more of a fan favorite, just based on the energy he kind of brings to the team. 
what he does in terms of leadership. So I think depending on where you're looking from, like what your perspective is on what makes a better player and a valuable player, probably Bagley for national consideration, probably Fox in terms of team success and actually going far. That's a really great question because I've been asking that same question to myself and amongst my other Kings fans. Friends, that's a really big toss-up, but I'm going to have to lean towards Fox, and the reason being is that he's our point guard and he's our leader moving forward. Uh, He's the man with the ball in his hands, and I think that he's going to set the precedent for the rest of the team. And I think the biggest question mark for Fox has been his long-range shot, and just to be able to see how much improvement he had from year one to year two from long range is a testament to, to how much he's going to grow even further in the years come in the years to come. And, uh, and so I think I, I would lean towards Fox, uh, although you never know what kind of ceiling Bagley has. I'm going to go ahead and say De'Aaron Fox. I think he has elite intangibles. I think he has that speed that you can't teach. I think he has a feel for the moment, which I think has done more to turn this team around than I think people are talking about. You see him play, you look at his stats, you look at just his personality on and off the court. I, I think he is going to end up being the better player when all is said and done, which is not a knock on Bagley. I think he could easily be a 20 and 10 guy on a playoff squad. Hopefully that's us. But I think De'Aaron Fox just has that special something. I'm going to say Marvin Bagley simply because of his size, it just gives him a little bit more versatility. I think Darren Fox is going to be incredible, but I think Marvin Bagley uh, is just going to be given a little bit more versatility. I'm going to pick Bagley, which surprises me on a personal level, but you look at Darren Fox's rookie season, and it was solid but unimpressive, whereas Marvin Bagley, I mean, at times looked like a star. The, this, just, this draft class was so impressive that all of them, all five top, all top five picks had that at some point. I think Darren Fox will probably be the more impactful player because of his position. Point guard is the most important position in basketball because no one else gets anything done without the point guard. But as far as pure skill set and maybe even things like MVP or all-star potential, I'm going to lean Marvin Bagley just because his, his rookie season was so impressive. And if he takes a similar jump that Darren Fox did from rookie to sophomore season, um, he's going to be an all-star and possibly an MVP candidate for years to come. Have you been enjoying the King's Pulse podcast? I love the podcast. I uh, I came across it. Just I downloaded. Uh, I was looking for other podcasts, and I found it on. Uh, I found your guys, and then I just started listening to it, and I've enjoyed it since. And I also downloaded the Point Co- Point or Podcoin podcast. And that's also really helped getting some cash too. <laughs> uh, I am, yeah. No, that's why when uh, when you're asking for, for fans to answer questions, I, I definitely uh, wanted to jump at that chance. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've I've put it in the, the regular podcast rotation, uh, and uh, it's it's good, to, especially being from the Midwest. You know, this is kind of the the way I can stay in touch with all things Kings is this Reddit and Twitter. So I definitely uh, enjoy the the, the pod. Uh, I like it so far. I like I like that you guys have done um, several several different interviews. You guys did the one with Jason Jones that was informative. I also liked the one with Tim Maxwell that was cool. Um, yeah, I really like it. I just I like that you guys do a lot of content regularly. Uh, a lot of the Kings podcasts that are out are not aren't either they don't post uh, often enough or they don't they don't uh, uh, like the quality is not is not quite there. 
So yeah, I really do like you guys' podcast a lot. Oh, I love it, man. It's great. Like you guys touch a lot of um, good topics, current stuff. It's great for, for fans during the off season to, to always stay in tune with Kings things. It's a good getaway, you know, because Kings basketball never stops. There's always something going on. So it's always good to talk about. We like to talk more about the good and the bad, but I think you're doing a tremendous job. It's a really cool outlet to keep in touch with um, Kings talk. Every time you put up a new podcast, I listen to it. I'm really enjoying it. And I really hope you guys continue to keep doing this moving forward. Uh, it's pretty nice, man. I really like the, the, the guests you guys have on as well. I think, I think you guys talk about a lot of good issues and I think you guys like get your points across really well. I like it. Besides the Sacktown Royalty, and then you have the the one that Matt George does, the Locked on Kings. You really don't see anything else out there. And you guys have kind of, at least in the off season, made it, made it fun. You're constantly putting stuff out there. Interesting topics that I wouldn't be thinking of. You're getting fan involvement. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I love, I love the podcast, man. I think you and Rich are doing an excellent job. Um, I also really appreciate you. Um, how proactive you are uh, on Twitter and social media, getting the fans engaged. Um, I think you have a really level head. Um, you know, some sometimes there's some spicy takes you you pull out of there, like the the rivers and Patty McCaw. But you know, I love that about you though too, because it's like we as Kings fans, we we gotta we gotta take what we can get sometimes. And um, as long as we got players that are on board with what we're trying to do and can produce on the floor. Um, I think that's all that matters. Um, and so I absolutely love what you guys are doing and, um, I can't thank you enough. I like the podcast. I'm really happy. I've found a, a King's podcast that I, I enjoy. There's, there's a few that are, that are pretty good, but I like what you guys are doing so far. So. Uh, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy the different, uh, guests. I enjoy the fan interaction as well. Um, I think it's important that those of us in the media, whether we're credentialed media members or, uh, fans that want to write or podcast or, or whatever whatever realm we're in is that we we constantly need to keep the pulse of the of the fans and I think that's something that's done really well on the podcast um, whether that's on Twitter on social media actually getting into fans opinions and, and what they want to hear about uh, it's really easy to forget that we're doing all this as a service for our fellow fans so I think it's really important. I think it's fantastic. And I mean, gotten some great guests. I guess I've been on there too, but getting great guests like Jason Jones and Deuce Mason and you and Richard do a great job. So I'm a huge fan. It was absolutely amazing to hear all that great feedback from you guys. It's super inspiring and it definitely keeps myself and Rich going. Now, this last question that I asked you guys was supposed to be a loaded question, people. I asked if you guys prefer myself or Rich. And listen, I was the one conducting all these interviews. How dare some of you answer Rich? The point of this was so that I could show this to Rich and everybody be saying my name. But here are the responses. I know I've kind of disagreed with Richard on some stuff and agreed with him on some stuff, but I'd say Richard just because he seems to... And I, and I love you just as close too, but Richard and I seem to think alike, like him and I both seem to have the same mindset. Like the fact you brought up Austin Rivers on the, I think it was two podcasts ago. I, I was ripping my hair out just like, no, 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 no. Ah, that's a tough one. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Rich just, just cause the, your, your Celtics background. I, you know, uh. I, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry <laughs> for the loss, but, uh, um, you know, I, I think that with uh, Danny Ainge and, and that pick, uh, for a while there and, it's kind of tough, so I'm, I'm going to go uh, with Rich. 
but you guys are both cool. I, you guys are both dope. I don't, I don't have any preference either way. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, that's tough, dude. I mean, you guys are both awesome. Rich, <laughs> I don't think I've interacted with Rich on on Twitter much. I, he 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 probably thought some of my takes on on King stuff was probably pretty ridiculous. But I tend to agree with both of you guys. I mean, I think Rich is not a a big proponent of Willie like me, and I think you're probably kind of the same same way as as well. We have a lot of the same views on the King's future as far as like free agents go as well. But I enjoy both of you guys, man. Like that's too hard to, to, to pick. I think you guys are both like a great follow. And um, I think you guys do a great job working together on the podcast, play off each other really well. I mean, if I had to choose, I'm choosing you, man. Come on. That's easy. <laughs> uh, well, I'm talking to you. So I think I have to say you. I can't give that. Because <laughs> I get crap. I get crap from either one of you. <laughs> I was going to say you. Oh, man. But I love you, Brenda, but I'm biased, man. I've known, I've known, uh, so I've known Wyatt for, or Rich, as you know him, for, since I was 18. We, we went to college together. We even lived in LA together. And he and I would go and watch every bat, like as many basketball games as we could in LA together. And as many Giants games and as many Niner games as we possibly could. So I got a I got a deep love for Wyatt. I'll be at his wedding next month. But I also love you, man, because I really appreciate everything you're doing and how professional you've put everything together around the King's Pulse podcast. Well, Richard constantly, constantly, constantly abuses me when it comes to my food and drink takes. So I, I certainly prefer you. Richard, he needs to get his food palate corrected. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But you are, you are certainly preferred all across the board in all areas. Shout out to everybody that picked me over Rich. I appreciate every single one of you. But actually, thank you for everybody that participated in this. This was definitely my most favorite episode to create and just to get a chance to interact with all of you as well. I also gave everyone that I talked to an opportunity to throw in any sort of last comment that didn't necessarily need to be Kings related. And here are those. Go Kings and let's. Let's get it next season. I do want to say that I think a big X factor for next year uh, is Harry Giles. And the reason why is because this is his first offseason that, like, he can focus on basketball. Obviously, that first year, he was still rehabbing the knee. This past year, uh, before this season, you know, he was kind of preparing to to get into the NBA grind. And and they spent the year kind of figuring out, you know, how to to bring him in. And and you could see his progression through the year. And it was pretty, you know, optimistic in that regard. And so now for him to be able to focus on basketball and, and not necessarily rehabbing and, and that kind of stuff that comes with it, I think that could potentially be a, a big thing for him and, and for the Kings. Overall, I just I would like the Kings to not, uh, not spend money on players who don't deserve it. So as an example, in 2016, the Blazers, they gave out bad contracts to cause they, just because they had the money. That was the year of the cap, cap spike. They gave out bad contracts to Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, uh, the Harkless contract's okay, but but overall, I just I don't want the the Kings to just because they have money doesn't mean that they need to spend it. Because like uh, if they don't get if they don't get meetings and they don't get guys, that would suck. But it would be even worse if they if they spent money on the wrong players. I'd rather just be conservative with the money and spend it on spend it on the right guys or give out one year contracts than than give out like a four year something like four year hundred million to. I don't. I don't even know who. Uh, like, I wouldn't want to give Vucevic the max. Essentially, like something, something like that. Like that would really scare me. I work in. I work in sports. I'm a sports editor. So every single time that I have to go in in the morning to work, 
it's good and bad. And the bad is, is when I have to go in and I have to see a King's buzzer, terrible buzzer beater that beats them. And we have to talk about it. And I have to sit there and listen to all my coworkers because everyone knows I'm a Kings fan there. So it's, it's tough being a Kings fan sometimes there, but the good side is if you're not a fan of the Lakers and you realize what's happening right now in Lakerland, they are making the Kings look like the Spurs right now. I mean, it's, I don't know what is going on with, with, with this organization. And that's all we talk about every day is what's going on with the Lakers. They can't get coaches. Coaches don't want to coach for them. I'm just really enjoying it. I mean, they're having a protest come out in front of Staples Center. The fans, I mean, this it, it's literally getting ridiculous. And literally, I, I don't think I've been this happy for not being in the playoffs. I'm just enjoying the Lakers offseason. I mean, this is amazing. How do you get LeBron James and be this bad and this dysfunctional? I mean, Magic Johnson just leaves and doesn't even tell the owner and the best player that he's leaving. I mean, I this it's just tremendous. I mean, this is Kings fans should just be celebrating because this is just, this is like the best thing that could happen to us. I mean, you just sit back and just watch it all happen. And when you look at it, it's like the Lakers are going downward and the Kings are going upward. I mean, it's like for the first time, it's like, it's the complete opposite. I mean, people are saying now sports reporter now that's just saying that Sacramento is more a desired place than Los Angeles. I mean, it, and it, is that crazy? I mean, this is like, Complete role reversal. I'm skeptical because of all the losing that the Kings fans have had to endure for so many years that I'm always hesitant to drink the Kool-Aid because I never thought the Kings were going to make the playoffs this year. I was just kind of hoping they did, but kind of kind of taking a step back. But I look at their future with Buddy and De'Aaron and Bogdanovich, Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles. It's pretty promising. I do think they need to add some good free agents this offseason like they have to add because i don't think this core is good enough to get there so i'm still hoping for kevin durant you know i'm like i tell my co-workers i'm like what are you guys gonna say i mean kevin durant was praising the kings i know it's completely idiotic but hey you never know you got to dream big right so uh, keep up the good work man i like the king's coverage you know i, I more king's coverage for me is the better you know like i just try to get it all in anything kings on on twitter i'm i'm all, I'm all about it so just uh continue the good work man i appreciate it Apart from what we do in the offseason, away from free agents, I think we really need to solidify, other than getting another point guard to back up the air, and I think solidifying Bogey as that second-unit ball handler playmaker would open up a lot of options for us in that second unit. I don't know. With everything else going on, it was really fun. Even though we didn't make the playoffs, I mean, that's the best season that we've been able to watch in a decade, and it was a lot of fun. So if we can keep having that, just everybody keep your patience and remember the big picture as hard as that is and just, you know, that it sucks we're in the West. But, I mean, for the first time, you can legitimately say, like, the future is bright. So here's to the off season and making good decisions, hopefully. My final thought about the season as a whole. I think last summer I was pretty down on the Kings. I was kind of a Doncic guy, and I thought that the Kings were making a big mistake. And now here we are, most successful season, and people are talking possibly playoffs. So you never know what's going to happen. So let's just enjoy the ride. I just want to say that if anyone out there, because I've had a couple of our writers, if anyone out there is rooting for the Warriors, uh, you need to get some help. Assuming you're not a Warriors fan already. If you're a Warriors fan already, you're cool. But I don't know why you wouldn't want to see them get taken down by any one of the reigning teams, whether it's the Rockets or the Nuggets or the 
the Blazers or one of the East Coast teams. If you're rooting for the Warriors, get some help. But that is going to do it, guys, for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Like I said, I had an absolutely amazing time creating this. I think that it turned out fairly well. I would love to hear the feedback from you guys as well. And I think that I'm going to try to start doing this on the first Friday of every single month. Give us a chance to interact with all the fans and also gauge where the fan base is. It's interesting to hear the variety of answers and then a lot of the same ones like you saw Kali Stein's name thrown in there a lot. But thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. And you will hear from myself and Rich, who is officially overrated, by the way, on Monday. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.